you stop making movies, it'll break your mother's heart. I don't know what to do anymore. You do what your heart says you have to. And we're back. <laughs> Welcome once again. Another episode. It's another year. <laughs> it's another front runner for Best Picture. <laughs> and it's another time. Like, look, I'm more down on this than you are, but it's another chance for both we mics to not join a parade this is mike mike and oscar i am your co-host mike one co-host also mike on the line as we are doing an oscar profile of the best picture front runner mm-hmm. the spielbergmans the i am uh i am very surprised and i think this is going to be a thesis statement during the episode that this yeah. is not called the spielbergs i'm still surprised i get i don't get why it's not i get the conceit of it right I get, it. I get that much. It's right. a bad look if he calls it the Spielbergs. It feels like more of a vanity project than it is. Yeah, yeah, he really hit the ball there. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's another year, and we hate the Best Picture frontrunner. I look at, we don't hate it because we're going to give it a solid grade, but like, we are infuriated that this yes. is going to win Best Picture. Yes, and, and I, I joked about it the other night. I, I actually put, I tweeted, it's like, hey. FYI, people, this is probably winning Best Picture. And just, I like the saying. shit you were getting for that, too. Just like everybody's like, oh, really? angry. Well, that's what <laughs> I'm like... hopeful for. I'm hopeful that people will realize that this should not win Best Picture in the Academy. Right, and you're, you're saying that from a place of, hey, watch out. This is probably going to win Best Picture. <laughs> not, oh, my God, I love this movie. This no. could win Best Picture. <laughs> I'm just going to put out vague Twitter, because I really don't like Twitter as, like, a reaction is, yeah, machine. We, we have to stay off that that. We, uh, Elon Musk needs to I am going to gonna use Twitter the way Judd Hirsch used that scene. Uh, That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, no, this is where it's going to be today. Like we're going to argue <laughs> over these <laughs> over these side plots when we both yeah. agree on that. We're basically Lenin and Trotsky today <laughs> no we're not no that's what we are we're good we agree on the overall we that's agree way on too highbrow <laughs> but we're gonna infight somehow yeah. because we've just spent the last like i am infuriated with you somehow going into this episode i'm not gonna lie yeah. and it's basically because you're like this movie did not bore me michael but you're all this boredom and you're I'm texting so me throughout the whole damn film i'm i'm literally on the field with 75 teenagers <laughs> I'm trying to wrangle them like it's like herding cats half the time. And I'm just a barrage of text message. I have no choice but to answer you. Trying to stay awake. I You're apologize. psychotic. You're psychotic. <laughs> and this is because of your TikTok generation. You can't pay attention to something that's not just, you know. This is why I dislike movies over two hours. Like, sincerely. But you'll I, watch I, 17 episodes of a stupid TV show. But I could have stupid it in the ones. background. You watch the stupid this, I can't be confined to a theater and be bored. I, I, I go fucking crazy. I can't stand it. I would rather the movie fall on its face and be horrible. So you have to text me. Laugh at it. You have to text me into submission. Bored for no. three hours. But you for three hours I have to sit there and be bored by this. <laughs> but you it's text inexcusable. you text me into this tone of voice <laughs> <laughs> during the movie, so we can argue about Judd Hirsch, who is a delightful human being, isn't like, he? I mean, a, just just admit he's a delightful human being. He's ordinary a delightful people. human being who's acting has become passe he this movie is it's so like it's fine it's so baity it's it's only oscar bait it's 
masturbate um, it's baby. it's a masturbation it's purely masturbation by steven spielberg and that's fine and people in the academy especially are going to gobble it up and that's fine I mean, it's a great background noise movie, but I can't sit there. I, 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 the greatest sin a movie can be is long and boring. That's the, and that to me is more offensive. So my grade's not going to be like an F, but my experience was like a fucking D. I, I just, couldn't stand being in the theater. I wonder how much of that is weighted though. Like it's weighted because you know, this is what we're going to be talking about for the next four months. Because I don't know what else Maybe. you expected. Like, I expected a vanity project from Steven Spielberg. I expected a movie that was just going to be well-crafted. But, that, like, I got what I expected. It's a B. And I didn't think it would be this bad. Like, that's... I, I thought I would, like, like right. something about it. The technicals are great. Yes. It's a Steven Spielberg movie. Of course the technicals are great. I didn't... I don't think there's much else I enjoyed about this. I, I like a lot of the scenes. I don't like the... The, the overall I don't like and I don't like I, I'll be honest I don't like some of the pro, high, most highly touted performances same same I, I, I thought there were caricatures I mean we'll get alright we're getting too far yeah. out of ourselves well, let's, well, let's here's the, the thing spiel. this is gonna help us like what do you think the reception of this movie is gonna be overall over the next few weeks because I wonder if people are getting the same read on it that that we are because a lot of the people how, we trust, how full was your theater it was not filled like the, are people seven i had like seven elderly people in mind exactly so yeah. this movie is ultimately going to be something that people watch on pvod in three weeks that people watch on it's universal so peacock it's a movie made months? for the academy right like the, he made this to win oscars so this is going to be on Peacock during the Oscars. Yeah. There you go. Well, I'll get people to Peacock. Yeah. I, I mean, I, if it's the best picture front runner, people are going to tune into it. Right. But I don't, I don't think, think it's the doing box well. office is. I don't think I agree. I don't think the box office is going to do much of anything. I agree. I had I had very I had two theaters that were maybe twenty percent full, and it's expanded to six hundred thirty-seven theaters. After its limited opening weekend, which was not good, which we covered, and it's projected to do three three million during the Thanksgiving weekend, which is very light business, Mike. I mean, I, I don't know, like I don't understand why this is the best picture front runner beyond content. Like the, I get the TIFF win, I get that. I don't think there's a lot of juice for this movie right now from the public. I don't think. There's a lot of love for it, just unmitigated love on film Twitter. It's not going to be the film Twitter movie. I think everybody's just projecting, <laughs> in your case, their fears, that this movie's <laughs> going to catch on with the Academy and it's going to be irresistible catnip to them, which it might be. Maybe, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm well, it's already done well by some it. voting bodies. I mean, I think this is made... And it's a movie about filmmaking. Well, what voting bodies? It, it did well with TIFF, TIFF audience. That which is a big body. deal. That's a, it's a big deal. On the the Sunset the Film Circle Awards, not not well at all. That was the first critical awards that we covered last episode. It's obviously not eligible for the Gotham's or the Spirits. So, like, we haven't seen it do it yet. But we're we're all bracing for impact. So, do you think? But you don't think it's going to underperform. You think it's going to hit with the Academy. Vegas thinks it's going to hit with the Academy. I think it can hit with the Academy. However, I don't think it should hit on a massive scale. I think when you look, when you stare at this thing for what it is, it's a well-made vanity project, and it's cute, and it's 
it is substantive, but to an extent to where I think it's like a B grade for me. I don't understand why it has to win Best Picture is my point. Because of the narrative. But what what narrative? Like, I get it. I get it. I want to deconstruct this throughout this episode today. Why does the Fablemans need to win Best Picture Academy? Every single one of you should ask yourselves that question, and then you should give the Best Picture Oscar to Top Gun or Everything (laughs) Everywhere All at Once. Can you please do that for us? Those are the three that, like, I I told you, I said this last episode, when people are are talking about, I've talked to Academy members, and the three movies that come up most are Everything Everywhere, Top Gun, and The Fablemans. So, so I'm sure it's word of mouth. And again, you're you're to partially answer your question when you have people plugged in like Clayton and Scott are, and this movie's at the top of those lists. Those are people who talk to people every day. I mean, this is it's a reality. Unfortunately, I'm hopeful that people come to their senses. And the like we said in our gambling episode recently that when something is the front runner in so many categories this early, that usually doesn't end well for them. So maybe yeah. people wake up and find something else. Now, that being said, they have deliberately slow played it at Universal and Amblin Entertainment. Like in terms of the campaigning, I feel like they actually hurt their box office by ripping the Fablemans from all the festivals, just going to TIFF, just winning that award, and then poof, it's gone until Thanksgiving Right when it's released. Like there's not a lot of buzz for this movie, Michael, beyond award circles. Or am I crazy? Because again, no, it's not that's, do well. I, I, that's but that's part of my I go back to we can't have these five hour movies. This is two hours and 36 minutes, 31, whatever, with half hour previews and then the 10, 20 minute drive to the thing. You, you can't have these all day long experiences, these movies that eat up your day that don't deserve it, that are masturbation, <laughs> that are self-serving and self-aggrandizing <laughs> and then complain that nobody's going to movie theaters that uh south park song about san diego came into my head again yeah exactly like we can't we can't live in this world it's double-edged sword if you're going to put out these if studio if the only movie studios are going to get behind and put money into non-franchise movies or non-comic book movies are these directorial efforts that are just you could do whatever you want whether it's the irishman or this or bardo no wonder people aren't going to the theaters. Where's the allure, like we've been saying? Hmm. It's it's another thesis statement that I really I can get behind. But all right, we probably should get into our format here. We're going off the rails from the beginning. Uh, in terms of the reception, 93% Rotten Tomatoes, 86% audience score, 84 meta score, 8.3 <laughs> out of 10 IMDb. Like I said, it's a, such a parade for this movie. Three million on 637 theaters. I wonder, I wonder if the critics are just kind of programmed to give this a positive grade because it, it, I mean, look at in terms of making one of these movies, right? If you know the conceit going in, this is one of the better made one of these movies. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, and technically it's well done and well crafted. I agree. And there's a lot of high-profile people in it and a lot of people that are endeared to critics and the Academy and all that stuff and a lot of people that people want to hobnob with and rub shoulders with on the red carpet and take pictures with. So, yeah, I mean, all that's, if you think all that stuff doesn't play in when critics talk about a movie, you're crazy. Right. So 
I just think because there's such a void for the best picture, and look, it could be filled by women talking and tar, and she said as well, even though I doubt the latter two, uh, and I doubt the Banshees of Inisherin for that matter. I those don't do not feel like best picture winners. The fact that you watch a movie like this and it feels like it's in the best picture winning package, it feels like it's in that big Hollywood studio version of one of these stories, like the packaging of this movie has I mean, it fits what we've felt for Best Picture winners yeah. before, but I don't think the substance is 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 in there, and that's why I'm like frustrated with this movie. To say, I mean, I get why the Academy would vote for it, but I don't understand. I don't understand why they should vote for it. You know what I'm saying? Well, there is a void. There's a void, like other than I mean, the that's, void. That's that. Yeah. Other but, than the bagel. You know, which should be filled by, I mean, I would totally get more behind. I would get behind because everything everywhere all at once has moments of brilliance in it. And, yes. this, and, and the Fablemans has, has fun moments to it. The, the yeah. anecdotes are joyous at times. I love them. Love the procedural of a kid learning how to use his camera. Love it. You yeah. know, I even enjoy some of the acting with uh, Michelle Williams and the acting within the acting. That's fine. But why does that have to win Best Picture? The easy answer is because it's a it's easy to default to because it's just it's got safe. the best narrative. But uh, nah. I mean, it's Steven Spielberg's biopic. Mm-hmm. That's uh, there's no other movie right now that's head and shoulders leading the pack for best picture, and it's unfortunate. I guess the exercise, the thought exercise, I'm trying to push us towards is like. Can we reverse engineer our brains and actually make the case for this movie? Like you want this to not be the default. I want I, this I, not to be the default. Yeah, but however, that would be great. why is it resonating with at least the punditry? And maybe that's all it's resonating with right now. The punditry as the best picture favorite. If if it's registering with the punditry as the best picture favorite and it registered with Tiff as the audience winner, then it's because of its kind of cinematic propaganda i mean it, it does feel like it's it's something that it glorifies boxes. what it ticks a lot of boxes in that i mean it's a movie about movie making you don't think you don't think the allure of this being spielberg is is in part that answer i think if he wanted that allure he would have called it the spielbergs I think there's enough personal touches in this movie that we would have believed this was his real life story, and we would be- we would probably have sat with the fact that okay, it's his real life story, but he is going to put all the varnishes of what he knows how to do on it. I would have be- I I would have gotten behind that narrative more if he did that if he was just like honest because this this movie could have been raw at times like there are some ugly crying scenes there's some blow-ups like there's some there's some you know real revelations to to his his life and what he went through and what his family went through and there's some of their skulls and skeletons you know from their closets here Mm -hmm. and there's some legitimate things that he went through you know like at his school that we saw in the trailer and the anti-semitism and those things that are legitimately difficult for any anybody that we don't understand to a degree and sure fine i mean you could get you could have been raw with this movie and you could have made you could have made a trying to think like a 1960s style art film and you you didn't have to polish this one up 
like a uh, like tar. I mean, you could have made like a tar out of this instead of this. This is like, you know, in the package of a king speech. You know. Yeah. This is. I mean, it, it's obviously reminiscent because it is Spielberg, but this is the same type of presentation of West Side Story. The cinematography, the production values, that all that stuff. I mean, it, because of the text being so great, it comes off. You do come out feeling like, oh, that's going to contend for best picture. I just if but this movie it, yeah. got down and dirty, it, I would have gotten behind it more. Like Kramer versus Kramer, it's like a down and dirty version that's off yeah, but would key. The Academy, yeah. It, even when it when it came out at the time, I wasn't alive. But like just looking back at it, that movie's like off key. It's weird. It's strange. It's it doesn't go where you expect it to go, and and this movie could have it had the components to be able to do that because I, I agree. But I'm at like if it was grittier, would the Academy accept it? I wonder. I don't know. Fervor? I would have respected that a lot more. The fact that this is like this homogenized cheeseburger of a movie, <laughs> which I, I'm totally down for in many cases, and I, I eat it up. I drink that milkshake up all the time. <laughs> I, I just. And look, and I and I and I watch the screenwriting of this, or I, you know, I watch the editing of this, and I, I dissect the screenwriting of it, and it's like you learn from. Oh my God, he tied this into that, and he drew like this is like this therapeutic exercise for him, where he's really turned his life into this cathartic three act structure, and I can I can get behind that from a story structure point of view but is this really helping him as a person <laughs> you know i mean you talked about it as masturbation i guess that's true it is <laughs> it's exactly he's telling the, the entire conceit of this story to me is look how close all of you were to not having me do this for a living oh god that's like that's <laughs> And then thumbing my nose at a high school bully along the way, who's probably a plumber somewhere, and you're Steven Spielberg. The high school bully <laughs> kind of cut to the core of him, and we'll get it to it, get into it in spoilers, I suppose. Man, I just I'm trying to think about like he he's taking a step back and he's pinpointing some very crystal clear truths in retrospect about his filmmaking career that I can respect. And I think like, like we're saying the Academy is going to relate to that. Cause everybody's probably got similar stories. Everybody's got their yes. moment in time where they came up with an in-camera trick or, a and there it's him pursuing the dream of film. All the, a lot of people in the Academy had the same dream. Like it's easy to see why this would be cat bait for uh, a, a voting member of the Academy. The becoming a filmmaker origin story is certainly something that people are going to relate to. And then he weaves that in seamlessly, it seems, with the family drama to the to the literal point where people in the family are popping into the house and giving them the speech that literally connects <laughs> his filmmaking origin story to his family drama <laughs> one for one. That's why I'm just like, I get frustrated when I, I, I agree with you. I watched this movie for the first time and I was, I was, all right, this is a good version of one of those movies. I enjoyed how one of these movies played out to an extent. I rewatch it, rewatch it, and I got incredibly cynical rewatching this movie. But even after my first watch, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a solid one of those movies. It should not be the best picture winner. Fuck that. <laughs> I was yeah. really mad. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I think part of the problem, 
like you're kind of alluding to is, or we've said already, there's not a, for you, it's, it's Maverick. There's not a slam dunk. Well, but why you know. couldn't it be everything everywhere all at once? I mean, I get. It might be. Some I people, mean, it might be by the end of the day. Some people really don't like that movie. And I get that. I think women talking. I don't understand how people can not like that movie, but uniformly fall in line behind this one. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's some stuff like yes, like he he shows the 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 hardships he had to go through and the obstacles he had to overcome, and they're relatable to people who aren't us. And I get all that, but it also, I mean, some of that stuff seems so. All I can think of is hoodwinked. What's here, what's the word I'm trying I, to think of here? I it seems so manufactured. Yeah. for empathy and sympathy. And I agree it didn't with fit you, with the story. And I agree with you that everything everywhere all at once kind of falls prey to the same issues in the sense that they beat the dead horse of the humor of that movie. Like the same joke gets hit 17 times in yes. a row and he's just, they're winking at you the whole time. And I want to strangle them by the 15th unfunny version of that joke. Right. And then it's the same thing with the themes of the movie. You have like 40 minutes of everything everywhere all at once where it's just, I got the theme 35 minutes ago. Yeah, I they're got both it. too long is what you're saying, <laughs> <laughs> which I agree with. There's stuff that can be easily cut out of both and make it a better movie. We can't have, we cannot live in this world. We can't live in the world where everything that might be an Oscar contender gets a two and a half hour runtime. It doesn't do anyone any good. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to edit it down. And I thought, I thought this movie flowed fairly well at times, and and maybe that's the frustration of it because there's such there's such momentum at times that gets stalled. And yes. Then, and and there's probably four or five scenes that they really should have cut. Yes. I completely agree, and it completely bored me to tears. Like I, yeah, I'm sitting there waiting for these things to because they don't have end. Like I understand, but it's back to beating the dead horse. I understand the point of them, but you don't need to over-explain it. Because hmm. he he what he wants it to be palatable to everybody who's I don't know who needs things beaten to dead horse. Other religions think Christianity is sexual repression. Done. I know. I don't need to see a five-minute scene about that. Oh, that's about scene, the parallels of it. Excruciating. <laughs> like it was excruciating. And it serves no purpose. It serves no purpose to the conflict or the story or the character arc. I, I like. I get it. <laughs> I love the actors in that scene, Mike. I love that 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 kid, Chloe East. Monica's doing a great job. Yes, yes, they're I'm great. A- they're phenomenal. I completely agree. And it's awkward and it's cringeworthy and it's everything it should be. It's unnecessary to the plot of this movie. Well, it, should, it should just be a flash. Like, that scene yes, could be done yes. in five seconds. I get the feeling... I've actually been thinking about this a lot sometimes, Mike. I get the feeling that when you're on set and you take all the time to set this all up, that you... And they probably do this anyway, but, like, you want to get as much filmed on those sets as you can. And when you get time to the go to the post-production and you're in the editing bay, you feel bad to have all that work for all those people involved in setting up those set pieces be cut down to just a flash. So you feel an obligation to have it play out for a five, six, seven minute scene instead. Right. Except it hurts the overall momentum of the movie. And it's, every time. And it's exponentially an issue because you have all of these... I mean, maybe that's why I called it the Fablemans and not the Spielbergs, because you have all these darlings that you have to kill to cut the scene. I mean, this is the scene right. memorializing your grandmother. This is the scene memorializing... Your great uncle, who meant a lot for you at a certain point, and you're trying to give him one. I need scene. people to know that teenage Spielberg was a love machine. Like, all right, 
like we know like we, it's fine man i don't actually believe that that's me being overly cynical i don't believe that's what he was thinking but nonetheless it's a joke he, he at the end of the day we kind of we kind of come away like the ology remember remember when he would like snap his I'm trying to do it oh i could still do it <laughs> i could still that was me snapping my pointer finger to my middle finger by mm-hmm. almost like breaking a, my wrist into the packing microphone a, uh, packing a can of dip back in the day yeah exactly uh but i i don't know what that uh oh okay yeah i've seen my Tobacco. i've seen people do that yeah, Ew. I've never done it myself, but I was surrounded seen, by people. Yeah, that's in middle gross. school. Like uh, my entire friend group did it. I don't know where the hell was Why? I going with that. I don't know, but I don't remember either. I'm All more I know enjoying dip, this don't reminiscence. Dip, <laughs> don't. I'm, I'm more enjoying this reminiscence <laughs> than I am any to point talking about the Fablemans. That's fine. How do you cut a scene with your your grandma in it in the from the past? You know, how do you do that? Never mind. You're right. right. You're right. I mean, but it's and it's self indulgence. It goes to the overall theme of its its self indulgence. And this is the Spielberg self indulgent movie, which is fine. And he did a decent enough job of it. But I, I I don't fall in line with the parade. I don't think it's an overly you know, oh my god, look how great this movie is. Neither do you. Mm-hmm. And we're in the minority again with it. Here's but here's the thing. The parade. What is the parade? The parade is a bunch of Canadians who. No, it's not though because it's got the Metacritic reviews, the Rotten Tomato. Like it's it it's is critics. You're, it's critics. Critics love this movie. All right. Well, the critical favorite wins the Oscar every year, so I guess you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a critically it's a critically lauded movie that was made as catnip for the Academy. I do think there's a void right now. I do think this could be the default winner. However, yeah, I do too. I want something to fill that void, and I want and something else to win. Agree on both counts. I also would add that it's inoffensive enough where you can see this being the, uh, you know, the number two and number three on a lot of lists, and it wins that way, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you, yeah, you can make that argument for it. The, what is that? I can't even think. The rank choice. I'm, I'm so in my political mindset with preferential balloting. Yes. Preferential balloting, not rank choice. Preferential balloting. Yeah. I can see this being two, three, four on a lot of ballots, and that's how it ends up finding itself winning Best Picture. And again, it's by default. It's yeah, because absolutely. you love everything everywhere and not Top Gun. Or it's because, because it's so boring, it's inoffensive. <laughs> <laughs> you got yourself a it's good Eating rest. white toast for breakfast. <laughs> All right. So Spielberg as a director, he's the front runner. This movie as the best picture is the front runner. The film editing is is very high. I'll get I'll get exactly where it is. Right now it is Oh boy, on Clayton Davis's list it's two for that matter. And then the screenplay is basically top three, one or two everywhere. Oh, uh, God. Well, it's four on Clayton's, and it's two on Feinberg's. I think the dialogue in the screenplay has some highlights. I just think it was watered down by, and I'm not even just talking about only the Judd Hirsch scene, which I know you and I, it's probably the biggest disagreement you and I have. But there was some highlight dialogue that was taken away from by some of the delivery of it. I really enjoyed a couple of scenes. Does that make a great screenplay? I don't know. But it, I, I, I haven't liked a Tony Kushner screenplay as much as this one since Lincoln, because I really liked the Lincoln screenplay. Even Lincoln, though, was, Lincoln was a very good screenplay. I'm a dork. I'm a dork. As well. No, I was. I agree anyway, yeah. I like some of these scenes quite a lot, and I, I can respect how they weaved all this stuff together. I mean, this is a really difficult. Is that screenplay or is that editing to you? I don't know. I mean, they're both they're both very strong. Like this, to me, is a fairly seamless edit. Now, I get bored. I mean, I watch a lot of documentaries. 
I get bored much. Good night, more. poopy. It's it's hard to bore me. It's hard to bore me these days. That's why I'm like, it really is like so the bored. difference. The difference between you and I right now with film, right? <laughs> it's it's vast. You got the you're you're like throwing the uh, the tennis ball at the wall, and I'm reading a book in our <laughs> prison cell together. It's a great way to put it. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's a fan that might be your best analogy yet <laughs> so we think is there any way that editing and screenwriting and directing and best picture does not get nominated any one of those does any one of those directing no i i would put my life savings on directing being nominated Damn it. um uh picture two it's going to be nominated editing yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, is there any way it All doesn't? Right. Sure, but if it doesn't, I think it's only going to miss one, not multiple of those. But uh, we're, it's most likely they're four for four. So we're starting with four noms. Let's get yep. into per- performances. Michelle Williams, we're down on her. Liza Minnelli from Arrested Development. <laughs> she is performing within the shocked. performance. I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I was shocked at this performance. She's trying to do the show folk thing. Like, oh my God, I'm such a showman. I'm just always putting on a performance And it's for part my of the character. He accu- the character of, of Sammy accuses her within the story of always needing to be the center of attention. It plays towards why she has the conflict her character does. I get it. Her, her acting is at its best when it's the Olivia Coleman camera just pointing at her. I have the same thing written down. Her best acting is when she's not speaking and the camera's slow zooming. And it's her eyes and her face. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's great. And it's totally estranged from all of the big showmanship of the rest of the performance, which she's putting on. And I guess you could make the argument that, well, it's it's so great in those moments because she is so over the top when she is speaking. So it kind of sets it up for those moments. I guess that's a reasonable argument that I would listen to. So she going over the top so often. And I, I believe it's very hit and miss. Like, I just, Same. I am squirming and More dying. misses than hits, yep. I agree. Gabriel LaBelle's reactions to his mother's over-the-top performance, Paul Dano's reactions to the mother's over-the-top performance, those make more sense to me It's just a normal human on the, human on the planet Earth <laughs> than Michelle Williams. Now, maybe I'm an, a jerk, but... I liked both of those performances coming out of this film. Do, do I need Gabriel LaBelle to be nominated in this film? I think he's doing the cool Leo DiCaprio uh, advice to Julia Butters kind of acting, where it's just give us something surprising. Take a line reading and do and deliver it in a, in huh. a way we wouldn't expect. React to your mother freaking out in, in a way we wouldn't expect. And I think he does that. And I really, I really like. He feels like <laughs> he feels like the most lived-in character, right? I mean, I guess he should if the director's making a movie. If the director's right. owed to himself, has a <laughs> central character that doesn't make sense and is unbelievable, I guess that's the that would have been the biggest problem. But no, I believe that character. Like, it's, and we're in the POV of that character for the majority of the movie. Too, absolutely, so he should be the lead, uh, despite Michelle Williams being campaign as a lead actress as well i look i have respect for what labelle did i think paul dano is the best performance in this movie i really I love think his he's, performance i yeah. don't think he's going to get nominated really so 
I see him up there on some list now. I see him climbing in the supporting actor category. He is now two on Feinberg's. He, he is not high on uh, Davis's, but I saw him on Gold Derby. I, there's some Gold Derby people. There's some people banging the table for Dano. I, so we'll, we'll leave that as a possibility. Judd Hirsch, it's one scene. You hate it. I love it's, it. It's, it's Alec. The, it wants to. It, the purpose of his scene is to be Alec Baldwin from Glengarry Glen Ross. Mm-hmm. With and it works for some people, and it doesn't work for other people who have eyes and ears. Mm-hmm. I, I, t- I totally. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember his role in Ordinary People, Michael, <laughs> if you remember his brilliant take as the father of Jeff, Jeff Goldblum uh-huh. in Independence Day. That's right. Then that scene is, it just has the gravitas, <laughs> all the gravitas and more. No. You're using my word. You're using the exact word that I said he doesn't have. He doesn't have the gravitas you, anymore yes. to pull off that scene. I really love that scene because he's messing with the kid in the whole scene. But whatever. We'll get it. Yeah. The argument will pin it for spoilers and I'm sure we'll blow it up. No. Uh, Okay, Seth Rogen's not really in the mix. So we're basically looking at Dano, Hirsch, LaBelle, and Williams. This movie's already got big four, a big four composition awards. <laughs> like Those are unavoidable, even if the, the movie doesn't become the front runner, Michael. How many acting awards is it? Like, Michelle Williams, is she in? LaBelle, does he sneak into the void and lead actor? My guess is it's Williams and Dano. That's my guess. What what do you have there? Are the four actors? I think Judd Hirsch gets nominated. Really? I mean, I if if you're gonna if the default with this movie is so narrative driven, there's an easy narrative for Judd Hirsch to find his way to nomination. Mm-hmm. It's Judd Hirsch, right? You, I mean, it's it's kind of this out of left field casting, and he's he's in there for one scene that's supposed to be this powerful centerpiece connecting all these threads of this movie together. I could see that. I hope Dano does as well. I think Williams is in. I think Hirsch is probably in. I hope Dano is. I would like to see Dano be more of a sure thing than Hirsch, obviously. But I, I, I think three. I really, hope three. Really. I hope three because I think Dano would be third. So, so you, I have I have four for four, and then you had three for four, and yeah. then you had three for four, and then I had two for four. So basically, we both have six nominations right now. Yeah. All right, let's finish up this Oscar lens with the production values. And right now we have uh, production design as two for Clayton Davis, cinematography three, costume design three, uh, makeup and hair is 13, sound is 10, original score one. So he's really looking at production and costume design, cinematography, and original score. So that's John Williams, 52-time Oscar nominee. <laughs> John Williams. He must hate the Oscars. Like, at that point, don't you hate the Oscars? That, <laughs> I got to do this again this year. <laughs> Janusz Kaminski has won twice and has lost twice for uh, Spielberg. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. He's lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So he's been nominated nine times, the cinematographer. And then Mark Bridges has won twice, lost twice. For costume designs and production designer Rick Carter and Karen O'Hara, I'm, I forgot to look them up, but very high on Clayton's list. Costume design surprises me. I didn't. I don't. Am I missing something? It's with a that? period piece. Yeah, but it's, everyone's just in suits and everybody looks you know? like they came from the period. Why does it have to be nominated for the Oscar? Yeah. Uh, production design should be there. Really? Why? You don't think so? Why? Why? Why is this nominated instead of Downton Abbey? 
this is this is the hill you're dying on. Answer me this question. <laughs> this is the hill you want to die on. No, but why uh, is that? Like, no, I, it's I get a fair, it. Look, it's a fair question. It's a fair question. Again, I will. But this... as always, default to mm-hmm. I get very, very confused where I draw the line between editing, cinematography, and production design. I think they all play a role into each other. So I think it's subjective where you want to say one begins and another ends. So if you want to make the argument that production design is only the background and setting, yeah, absolutely, you can make that argument as to why does why should this get in over Downton Abbey because it seems like this is only taking place in you know school classrooms and in a house living room and in movie theaters, et cetera, et cetera. So he recreated his childhood with many, I'm sure, uh, a personal touch detail slash whatever, and just like Roma. He did it convincingly and immersively. So therefore, when the, the cinematography and editing features such a, per, a set design, yes, that's why that's, that's why that you're would kind be my of weaving yes. all three in there. I could, I mean, unfortunately, it looks like it's going to happen. So we're dealing with that six costume design. Well, we agree on cinematography, right? Cinematography is probably there, but cinematography is cool. Like he's doing all the yeah. kids. I mean, tricks. there's a there's a cinematography joke to end the movie. I, I, re- I really love the cinema. I'm not gonna lie, I yeah. really love the cinematography. I think in, in a in a much in a much happier mood. I'm I'm really happy about this movie simply for the cinematography. Same. Well, this is. I mean, again, I came out saying production design and cinematography are the two things I'm most excited by, and I I think those should be no doubt in. Just the way he focuses on the pulse of the grandma, at the, you know, oh, my God. The, the, <laughs> anyway, love the cinematography. So that's seven, production design, eight. We're both saying production design. Yeah, we're screwed. <laughs> Music is nine. That's got to be in there. It was really good. Costume design I don't get, but all right. This is the most technically refined piece of gut. No. <laughs> it's, 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 all the texts are great, and all you need, if you have that kind of backing behind you for a best picture run. If you have two of the big six categories that you can contend in, never mind this one might have four or five. Right, that's so why it's the best picture favorite. I the think. lowest for the question. Yeah, no, that that's why that's why. So the lowest over under that you could conceivably put on this movie is what? Eight and a half. I was going to say nine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Eight and a half is probably better for uh, gambling purposes. You probably nailed it <laughs> on the head. But that's why this is the best. All right, we figured it out. All right, now let's uh, de- let's let's spoil it. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for the Fablemans, uh, the new movie brought to you by Steven Spielberg, the heavy, heavy frontrunner, a couple major Oscar categories brought to you by Mike, Mike and Oscar on the Oscar profile episode. If you have not seen the movie yet, this is where you want to hit pause on us. Go check it out at your local theater. And like we said in the non-spoiler section, it needs help at the local theater. So do go check it out if you're interested in it. Uh, it doesn't seem like many people are getting to this as of yet for opening weekend. Uh, if you've not seen or if you have seen the movie already, if you're just curious to hear our thoughts, or you need to know what we think about the ins and outs of the plot. This is where you want to be. All spoilers for Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, the Oscar profile episode brought to you by Mike, Mike and Oscar. Mike, what kind of sociopath do you have to be as a child to watch that movie in the opening scene where that car gets plowed over by the train and then say, oh, I want one of those murderous steam engine toys of death for Christmas? <laughs> it's a uh, it's a fascinating question. It is the kind of question that that uh, powers a career spanning over 40 films. 
It's like, if I was Michelle Williams in that scene where my child is bouncing on the bed in the middle of the night, waking me up saying, I know what I want for, I know what I want for Hanukkah. Not Christmas, I apologize. I know what I want for Hanukkah. And it's a steam engine train because he just watched a movie where that thing was an instrument of the devil and blew up a car with people in it. I'd be concerned, but go on. A terrifying scene, a unique scene that would have sparked a career as legendary as his. So I, I, the movie grabbed me. I will say this much. The movie grabbed me. I related to the kid who was numb to the reaction. Like, he, numb to his parents afterwards. He was silent, didn't say anything, talked about something else. That's how learning, I yeah. am as a moviegoer, by the way. Like, yep. I don't want to tweet my 280 characters and, <laughs> and pinpoint exactly what I felt about the movie ever, Michael. Never mind right after Thumbing the film. That's why through a thesaurus to find the best $10 word. To right. hopes that the, yeah. That's why you texting me mid-Judd Hirsch scene and telling me a declarative st- statement about Bad. exactly what you think about the scene is Bad. just completely antithetical to me. I don't, un- it's anathema to my very being. And I respect people who can watch this like, like critics. That's why I need to babble about something a week later, you know, after I've seen it twice. Instead of uh, tweeting the minute I walk out of a festival screening. I can't do that. I'll never be the guy that does that. That being said, I am still afraid of that child, you know, in subsequent (laughs) scenes because he's taking all of this pain and terror and fear and he's weaponizing it with the help of his mother who taught him more about filmmaking than anybody until the father really steps up. So what I like about this movie is I like the parallels where the mother is, is you know, cultivating this love of film for most of the film or most of the story. And then at the end, it's Paul Dano's that's actually giving him that final boost and helping him start his career as a, as yes, a man. he accepts it as more than just his kid's hobby that he hopes he grows out of someday. That screenwriting flourish is, I mean, it's structurally brilliant. <laughs> I really, this is again, why I love the screenplay somehow. I can't, I can't deny it. So where, where it. are the moments where that's hammered in that Paul Dano's perspective on that is changing? Because it's only the two screenings, right? When, well, Paul Dano's perspective on that is changing. I mean, he's at odds with his son throughout. That's, that's what he I doesn't mean. want to he doesn't consistently want... negative he's towards... consistently negative but you see him watching the films in in rapturous applause the same way everybody else is and then where he turns officially it, it doesn't it happen till the very end of the film when he's like you know what I trust you that you're gonna work your ass off and you're, you are gonna make a career out of this but there's not a natural progression th- shown as he he's not shown to be softening his stance at all right? no but the big the it big happens the smoking the gun movie, where he it? softens his stance the smoking gun where he softens his stance is the camp uh yes. camping trip yep. montage that the son makes for him he uses his son to try and not to get divorced even though he's <laughs> like son i'm probably gonna get divorced <laughs> Unless you cut this film. And no you, pressure. No, no pressure. pressure. I need some kind of help here. Something's very wrong. I got 40 get... people coming over for the screening. Yeah, well, you can do it next weekend. Yeah, you look at it. Just reschedule the shoot, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying you this editing machine to blackmail you so I don't get divorced. <clears throat> Would have been better dialogue if they went with that, I think. Yeah, I mean, they again, much shorter scene. Just We don't have to fucking wallow in the scene. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Let me be clear. I do not hate Steven Spielberg's mother because she chased the tornado 
with all her kids in the car. Oh, I couldn't stand that. I get, the explanation. I, I don't I, hate what, her. What do you mean everything happens for a reason? That has nothing to do with why you're chasing a tornado with four children in the car, man. Not not the best look, obviously. Oh my God, that but she recognized it. She recognized it. I don't hate After her. After she came to. It's a fun-loving thing where she's like, all right, let's chase what we were I got to get the hell away from this guy. I'd rather be in the middle of an actual storm. I get it. Do you ever, I mean, you've cared for kids. Let's, let's chase death. Let's get close to death. I get it. We need that sometimes. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> when the lights begin to dim. I just, I'm, st- I'm starting to quote Nicole Kidman's speech. Anyway, <laughs> no. I don't hate her because she fell in love with someone else. It's mm-hmm. fine. He's a corny asshole, but that's fine. <laughs> I don't hate you, Seth Rogen, charmer. Fine. I don't hate her because she lost control and hit her son. I'm a hypocrite. I, I, sh- I should, because that's wrong. And she apologizes for it later, so I don't hate her. I hate Steven Spielberg's mother because she's an untalented, melodramatic overactor who's painfully unfunny. Yeah. cringeworthy she is the reason mrs spielberg banging the table she is the reason for 1941 she is the reason for one of the greatest flops in hollywood history she is the reason for why ultimately this movie is something that i turn on because of her corny ass sense of humor and how horrible it is just offensively unfunny it is it's unforgivably terrible i hate her character because that campfire scene, that campfire scene where her and Seth Rogen, like Seth Rogen can never be funny again. You realize this. Like he's one of the funniest. He is piss your pants funny. <laughs> our whole childhood, Michael, our whole formative years of coming of age, of going through college, of watching his stoner comedies, piss your pants funny. Uh-huh. And because he rhymed 17 things with shits, <laughs> I fucking hate him forever. I hate him. Like, he can never be funny again. If I had a full cabbage, I would throw it at his head as hard as I could. And Mike, I'd be wrong. I'd be wrong. Mike, Let's Mike, be honest. How can you have that much vitriol <laughs> and anger for any aspect of this movie and then be offended by me when I do? <laughs> because that's what you should be angry about. Why aren't you agreeing with me? Why are we arguing about Judd Hirsch? I'm, I'm with you. I, I did not like the character. I didn't like the portrayal. I don't... I Did you not like it, the humor baked into this movie? Or are you taking this literally in what you're saying in that if that's how Steven Spielberg's actual mother's sense of humor was, you blame her for... I blame her for the fact that okay. he is overindulging in his what he thinks is funny. And really what he's good at is he's good at like a one-liner. He's good at like, you know, cutting the tension of a very suspenseful film, dramatic film, action-packed film with a joke, which he's done his whole career. Mm-hmm. He's he like Indiana Jones has some of the funniest moments ever, but they don't try and make a, you know, it's not a fucking comedy scene for 10 minutes. It's right. one fleeting joke. It's, it's one Which gunshot. is what should have been right. this movie. Right. Instead, yeah. we're like stuck in a, just stuck in a family <laughs> road trip where these kids are trying to be cute and adorable and jokey for 10 minutes. I wanted to crawl out of the car. I would have, I would have leapt out of the car and rolled open. I would have leapt into traffic. I was so upset by the, how unfunny these normal people are. I, uh. <laughs> I co-signed. I didn't. I didn't find. There was actually one guy in my theater who was like 
openly guffawing at a couple of the what were supposed to be comedy. There are funny moments, moments in this movie, and then they throw like sheep's blood on it. <laughs> Just like the carry, like it's a funny moment, and then like we we have to be funny for the. the I don't understand like that. Like it would have been funny. It would have been funny for Gabriel LaBelle and Chloe East to walk into her shrine of Jesus's and boys, uh, you know, heartthrobs. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a wall of boys. Done. <laughs> it's it's a, it's worth a chuckle. Yep. But then we have 17 other jokes about how she's just oversexed and yes. religious fanatic. I yes. don't need that. I don't it. need that seven minutes of that. I get. I I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yes. And that's where I turn on this movie. You turned on this movie with, with other things. But if this is going to win Best Picture, and, and we're this upset about it now... What are we going to be four months from now? <laughs> We're going to be blatantly spoiling the movie, number one. We're going to... <laughs> what we're going to be doing at that stage i'm 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 giggling because i'm just so offended by that well that's talk. what i wonder like does this i mean it it, it really is an exponential amount of dread yeah. that this movie could be the a main topic of conversation for four months it's gonna it's gonna have to be I mean, we just talked ourselves through how it's going to be at least eight nominations. December, January, February, March, <laughs> four months. And we're dealing with ten a ten-nomination film, pretty much. Anyway, God. I guess we could talk about God. some good scenes. There's some good My stuff. head is in my hand. Right, we, we, we've gone up the mountain and down the mountain. Uh, the scene between the father and son to end the film. Let's get into the ending for a minute. That's mm-hmm. a that's a great scene and it's understated. That's why I felt like you could do the Bob Rafelson movie version of this and have this understated movie, which would have been so such, such a big swing for Spielberg. Right. I mean, who wouldn't have done it, but fine. You have this understated scene like a Kramer versus Kramer. It's just a father and a son going through the mail. And it's to me, it's the best scene of the film. Hmm. I loved how he helps Sam get over the panic attack. He immediately diagnoses it. It's the connection between, you know, uh, the mother and son, even though she's not on the screen. And then he's at his worst when he gets a glimpse of Seth Rogen and Michelle Williams in that perfect pose of family bliss that he's not participating in after he's had a lifetime of it. He's at his lowest point. And that is when he gives his son the career advice of just, hey, follow your dreams. I love you. I trust you. Gets behind his son, full-throated endorsement yeah. with, hey. So he's he's his best. He's the best dad in the world at his lowest point. And I just think that's – if you're going to give a tribute to your father, that's – I mean, that just, you couldn't do a more glowing job of it. Yes, but you did a better job selling it than I took it in. Like I was so checked out by that point. 
That's because you're spending, you know, 17 minutes during the movie texting me and arguing yes, with me. And I didn't correct. even think you were in the movie. You had to... T- I didn't understand that you were still in the movie. I thought you were done. You're trying to get your thoughts together. And you were rushing me into the uh, recording studio. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I was looking for an excuse to stay awake by that point. I see. I was not... Uh, but the way... I, I mean that. The way you sold it, like, it's... I can absolutely see how beautiful that is. I don't want to sit through two and a half hours to get there. Two I could, and a half hours of what this is. I could also watch an entire television series of Earl, young Spielberg going to work for Hogan's Heroes, and you know, a, a, instead of a you know a funny neighbor at a sitcom, your neighbor in the, at the office at the lot is John Ford, played by David wow. Lynch. I mean, Look, I could watch that forever. Like I told you, I hope that eye patch was a choice by Lynch. <laughs> Like he's he's the only man who deserves an Oscar from any of this. I don't, I don't. I would have watched three hours of him in that role, just Loved talking it. about horizon lines. Loved it. Loved that scene. Loved the fact that he took so long to light the damn cigar. I <laughs> we spoke about my former addiction in the last episode. I used yes. to smoke cigars. I never yes. wanted a cigar more in my life. <laughs> than the two times watching those scenes. Like, I considered it. It's like, maybe I should just go. I get one. I'll just have one. Never more than that watching those scenes. So, like, the last, to me, the last 15 minutes of this film are a joy. I loved them. Not liked, loved. Which is why this movie's probably going to do well, ultimately, because it sends you off on such a high if you're not such a curmudgeon piece of... Uh, <laughs> angry I like the, monster like you the are. horizon line cinematography joke that it ends on when it's like Beautiful. the horizon's in the middle it's shit like you and then the camera actually pans up at the end i thought that was cute uh so i mean so that's the end uh more best scenes throughout the middle like look at the filmmaker's origin story like i said a lot of fun stuff there the flashing guns anecdote right the, everything having to do with actually like editing 35 millimeter I thought was fascinating. And I don't watch. understand why we have all these movies about mo- filmmaking that don't emphasize that more. I could watch the procedural of this yeah, forever. Totally. Like I could watch a young Gabriel LaBelle playing Sp- Steven Spielberg, just troubleshooting all of his goofy ass mm-hmm. shoots as a teenager. I, I love, and I, and here's where I get become a sucker to the screenplay and the story structure. Like they work that in. With the mother stepping on the notes after another what I thought was uh, a really involved scene, probably I say involved because I'm, what I mean is that it's it all it almost feels like it's uh, a lie. What's the word? Uh, fabrication. Fabrication. No, there's a, another uh, word. Uh, an enhancement of the truth type. Thing. Well, yeah. All right. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. It feels like not. I want to say contraception. <laughs> that would be the wrong word. <laughs> this is our sexiest episode ever. <laughs> the mother uh, has the fake nails. It's a fun scene. It's it's a convoluted scene. Hey, contrived. It's a contrivance. It almost there, feels like yes, a contrivance. Okay. It almost feels like a contraception. And <laughs> the mother's piano playing turns into a rivalry between the future husband and the current husband. And he the, had to know, right? If that's actually how that scene oh, played totally out, knew. yeah, he, Paul totally, Dano knew. He totally did. He's in the yeah. yeah. But anyway, it's a it's an ordeal. That whole scene. It ends with her poking a hole in the paper 
which he realizes is what he should do for the, you know, the guns, flashing guns effect. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Very Did it cool. ha- really happen like that? I mean, even that would be brilliant. I love that. I could watch, I could watch that shit all day. Same. Uh, and I think there's a lot of technical stuff that I could watch all day too. Like that, that 360 shot when Sammy's actually editing the film and then he's realizing what he caught on tape, which is proof that his mother was cheating on his father with Seth Rogen's character. Yeah. And, and it's all kind of a one or except that there are a couple cuts where it's interrupted, but it's a 360 panning of him sitting in his chair and the camera's just moving around him. That was awesome. The music behind it was great. Uh, Sammy actually unraveling. And when he has his 40 people on set for his movie and he's, projecting his heartache onto mm, mm. the guy playing the soldier. And he's like, you just lost all your men. It's your fault. You did this. <laughs> and they're I both that like was... half crying. <laughs> right. Some of the, some of La- like LaBelle's Oscar scene to me would be, would be that, you know, yeah, that's a really good sure. scene. Absolutely. I, I even like... loved the bully versus Spielberg in the, you know, up against the lockers. I thought that was an excellent scene. One of the more polished versions of one of these old high school reminiscences, right? Like that, yeah, felt and, real. and that was given. That was that felt more real because that bully, well, not the one who got punched, the one who did the all the you know the one that was a jerk, yeah. but he wasn't a total jerk the entire way. Like he you could tell, even though his girlfriend had to implore him to do the right thing at first when they were out in the courtyard, he still wasn't just openly doing the wrong thing right away. Like he wasn't a cartoon bully like the other bully pictured was. The yeah, end, one who was, ends up getting punched. He was piling on, and then he was like semi-reasonable if you right. have Stockholm Syndrome. Is this is this admitting things about your childhood right now? Is what's <laughs> happening? No, he was a piece of shit. He was anti-Semitic. He was awful. But no, you're right, I guess, to the sense that he... Yes, he, he was anti-Semitic himself. and it was awful. I he guess. redeems himself at the end, and he's not the typical... You know, varsity jacket wearing bully like right. the other guy was at the beginning, and then, but which those scenes are kind of bad. Let's be honest. And yes. then there's like this leveling. He like le- they level with each other, and I thought that was an excellent scene. It's an understanding, and it's all done through filmmaking. I, I agree. That's an ex- but th- th- these are scenes that are necessary to what the actual overall arc of the story is. They're done after there's so many five or six minute scenes that you don't need. I. Yeah, I, I would I would say that they're trying to make us feel the time spent, right? Because it's and, and again, he has no oh, choice. Oh, I felt the time spent, Mike. <laughs> yeah, you, you're you're feeling the time spent as the student portion, the student film portion of this whole thing, or the you know the high school drama of it all. You got to go 25 minutes of that. You got to go 25 minutes of that cut into the Michelle Williams being bored and depressed, getting a monkey and all getting that a pet stuff. Monkey, and, yeah. It ends with what is, again, a crescendo that works. Like, Steven Spielberg has made this career because, God, he comes away from a movie giving you the the movie moments, right? And that scene where the family is just ugly crying, they're getting divorced, the sisters are going off, Julia Butters is acting her ass off. Yeah, which, by the way, was also the only scene in which either parent acknowledged one of the daughters, like, I like the fact that the screenplay gave the daughters agency against Sammy most times, but the mother and father basically ignore those children. It's all, even at the dinner table, everything's referenced towards Sammy. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> those two didn't exist. And, and as an, another elder child, I think that's the way things should yeah. be. I, <laughs> right. No, I, <laughs> I, think, uh, <clears throat> I think that's true. And I also, I like that they get their, 
their shots in. Like, hey, I how do about, too. Like, how about, they, how about they were women? established as characters. I like. Yeah, that. How about uh, how about you put women in your movies again? Right. There it was uh, great, Sammy. It was great. You know, how about a women saves the day next time? You jerk. No, it's fun. <laughs> uh, and and uh, I mean, it, it's a joy to watch a very young version of that at, earlier in the movie where they're putting on the toilet paper. That's cute, and that's like Spielberg at his best when Michelle Williams goes, "Oh shucks, I have no more toilet paper." That's adorable and hilarious, and it's a movie moment you never forget, right? And that's probably true to what really happened. Really, I forgot uh, yeah. it already because the movie's so goddamn long. Otherwise, a fun little <laughs> anecdote. But to get back to the scene where their lives are falling apart, like Spielberg hallucinating a glimpse of himself filming that scene and then being like, "Oh, the wow. hallucination slash dream slash." What is he trying to say to me about this character was bungled poorly at a couple times. Not only that scene. I liked that scene, though. I like. I thought that saved the scene. Oh, you I, liked that? I li- I did like that. I thought that was the stroke of brilliance of the scene because he was like... Oh, I didn't that's... mind the message of it. I just thought, like, logistically or, or technically or however you want to call it, it just came from out of nowhere. It came not from even, out of nowhere. There's not really a reference to a dreamlike sequence anywhere else other than the other one, which is the phone call from the mother, which we made no sense to me. just watched 20 horror movies apiece over the last month. Yeah. It doesn't make sense with the reality... <laughs> <laughs> like of the movie <laughs> are you trying to tell me that the mother that 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 sammy's mother had a mental illness and imagined this phone call right. she plays it off like a dream but when we see paul dano grab the phone from her listen to it and hear a dial tone so did it actually have like what the f- what's going on here and again there's no reference point to explain what's real and what's not yeah she hallucinated it she's i mean she's in crisis her mother just died I don't okay. know. Have you never you re- have you never answered a phone call with a ghost on the other line of it? <laughs> on the other line? No. I mean, I've lived a charmed life, Mike. I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you don't deserve your own biopic then. <laughs> Steven Spielberg does, and Mitzi Spielberg does. <laughs> All right. What else we got? We got. <laughs> uh, I really did like the emo. There's a lot of scenes like in a vacuum that I liked. The, the emotional scene, how nobody ever addresses head on the issue of the cheating is very relatable, I thought. Mm. Like, that's something that would happen in my family if it was an issue that came up. Like, Spielberg, Sammy never actually says it to Paul Dano. He only says it in hushed tones to Michelle Williams. He doesn't actually explain to Seth Rogen that he knows, even though Seth Rogen knows that he knows. And I like that whole scene on mm. the sidewalk of the street where Seth Rogen's gifting him the camera and Sammy insists on paying for it because he, he doesn't want to take anything. From Love Seth that Rogen scene as well. Like, yes. it's great. But, yes. you know, that, that stuff is, is well done and relatable and technically sound. And I was emotionally invested in that. Agreed. So there, I'm not and just I, pooping all over this movie for no reason. Yeah, I mean your your pants, you know, you need a, you need a change of your diaper, but yes, I think those those are excellent scenes, and there's probably more like that that we're missing. That's the that's the frustration of the movie. That's I'm more so you're you're in the sense that you hate lapses in this movie, whereas I like this movie assassinates itself to me, and maybe it's the form. Maybe I am sick of the Oscar. Box. Bait? What? The the baits? The Oscar bait? The Oscar baits. I'm I'm sick of it. And maybe you are too. Maybe maybe we're both saying the same thing at the end of the day. Like the Oscar baitiness of this movie, the fact that it's packaged in such a well composed structure that just so happens to line up beautifully, that 
bothers it, it it i recognize the screenwriting strength of it the prowess the capability of it and i call bullshit on the real life and you're kind of doing something similar right do we do we lock hands yet do we do the roman handshake yet on anything yeah i mean i i think we're it's a threshold test as, to, as far as you know what what i call boring or absurd is what you call oscar to oscar Beatty and and it, either way, it takes us both out of the movie. It's so just that here's I why get, you're wrong you're about able Judd to be, Hirsch. You're, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're able to re-enter a movie once you're taken out of it. And if I get bored too many times, I'm done. I can't. I don't care what the movie. I feel like I am wasting my day when I'm in a long movie that bores me multiple times. Well, it's only the best picture front runner, though, Mike. It's not like yeah. we got to... <laughs> How did this happen again? It happened again. It every year. Every not, not year. Not every year. Not every year, right? Or does when it? When did it not? You like Bel- you love Belfast. I did not like Belfast. We were both in Nomad Land. Dare you say this is Belfast? <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else? When did Let's it happen? Right. Green so Book you... it happened, right? Green Book. Yeah, it Green happened. Book. I'm trying Green to think. Book it happened. Shape of Water, did it happen then? Were we I didn't we were... like it. Mm. Fish sex. We kind of figured what it was. Yeah. But did, we didn't really buy the, like, Roma was the front runner to us then. Yes, that's true. Even though we probably should have said, sh- uh, you know, Shape of Water was going to win. If we were they better were pundits, we would have said Shape it, of Water. Yeah. You really like that Judd Hirsch scene that much? I just thought he's messing with the kid. He's playing with the, he's distorting, He's distorting, not the truth, but he's distorting the uh, his performance to try and wink at the kid, and then, and then when he, you know, when he actually says, "Okay, hey, tear your clothes. Let's both sleep on the floor. You, you and me are the same. I better, you know, I, I, I told you the truth, so we can we can go to sleep now. You know, like that. What, to me, what that is the was... truth? Well, the truth in that in that is that he's telling a teenager. That if you follow your heart, it's gonna you're gonna have to sacrifice. If you commit yourself to this business of lies, <laughs> then you you have to be a liar. <laughs> if you have to stick your head in a lion's mouth at some point, because that's what I had to do. You have to lie to your great nephew that you can't you met for the first <laughs> time that you are ha- sobbing, ugly crying when you're not. You know, I just thought it was a really inspired way to try. And say, kid, it's all bullshit, but it's going to mean everything to you. And we're junkies for it. And we have no choice but to follow it. Leave this room now and you won't have what it takes. But stay in the room and and maybe join me in the nonsense of it all. Maybe you do. And it, it was a test. It was a test for the kid in that scene. I thought it was brilliantly written. I'm sure you have a better handle on it than I do. As you I wish I had Judd Hirsch give me that scene because I would have left the room. I would have. I would never have <laughs> followed my dreams in my life, and I would have been so much That's better. That's the other off. aggravation I told you about having to watch a three-hour movie <laughs> of a guy who's the most successful ever in his field talk about the obstacles he had to overcome to follow his dreams when I've never landed any of my dreams. Well, he was a prodigy, yes, but yeah, no, fuck he... you. <laughs> We're angry at how successful Steven Spielberg is. If that hasn't come across yet, 
it, it sure comes across now. So we're it just, I mean, just <laughs> dripping with jealousy. Yes. Just jealousy. Yeah. Yeah. But this is still a vanity mind. project. It's, I should have a vanity project. No, it's still a vanity project. Can we just say that? Of Why course, are we giving? Yes, it's the biggest one. Why and are we I'm giving I, I, best this picture? This is all we're going to get greenlit. And this Ugh. is part of. I have this giant ass theory about how directors are the new uh, Hollywood stars, but it's going to come with warts like this because if the, if the director vanity projects are the only ones that are going to be given these massive runtimes and budgets and are going to be treated as Oscar bait. It's, it's it's a bleak outlook for theaters. Uh, I wonder if it's just like the reverberation of what's what's happening with the established big name talent. Is it going to happen for every single new directing talent? They have to do their Roma, their Belfast, their Fablements, their Armageddon Time, however many more of their Bardo. <laughs> yeah, but you, none of them landed none of them none of those found a box office no that's like this movie's not gonna do a hundred million at the box office is it no should have had this not from what i've seen and and i saw something on twitter yesterday that i i didn't feel well yesterday so i was like all right i'm gonna avoid black friday going to see the theater going to the theaters i thought it would be packed on top of that so i wanted to avoid crowds i saw something yesterday that like Crowds were down nationwide for a theater on Black Friday. Mm-hmm. And Even though it was pretty crowded. I went yesterday and it was pretty crowded. But right, like, is this I movie mean... doing $40 million? Period. Like, it's a $35 million budget or it's a $40 million budget. Is it doing $40 million? Domestically or overall? When it, is it going to go wide? When is it going to go yeah. wide? And is it going to have a weekend? Or is it going to have... Like, is the Fableman's going to play through the Christmas holiday making a million dollars a day? That's what it needs to do. God, I can't see that. I don't see it lasting that long. Like, it's got to make four weeks before it gets there. Is it yeah, going to do that? that? That's what it has to do. Because if it's expanding this slowly, they're basically rolling it out until it goes wide when? At Christmas. But I don't see the demand. Like, they're not... People are not going to the theaters while while it's limited and while it's rolling out slowly to, to demand a larger screen count, is it? It doesn't. So if it's not, not from what doing I've seen, that, yeah. why, sh- why are we going to, at the end of the day, as an academy, say that this is the best picture of the year when we have four, count them, four probably blockbuster monsters in the, in, in, nominated for best picture? Well, that goes back to the original question of, like, is a blockbuster, is the money the award for a blockbuster that's an Oscar contention? A financial failure. Like, this is going to be a publicized financial failure. We're going to pick, you're going to pick that as an academy over box office darlings like everything, everywhere, all at once. And then they've done for behemoths. No, no, they, they haven't been failures. Green Book was a box office success. It was a multiplier of seven by the time it won, and then it made even more money. Yeah, but they All the King Speech over the social network, famously. You know what I mean? Yeah, but King Speech was a box office success. The only one that was not a huge success, even though in terms of the big budget, in terms of like the hundred million dollar net grosser or whatever, was Moonlight recently. Like that was the lowest earner. 
I guess Shape of Water to an extent, but even Shape of Water was like, all right, at least that's a multiplier of made eight, whatever, 80 million on a 20 million. Why are we having this conversation now? I don't know. <laughs> Probably should save it for the next Oscar race checkpoint. But I guess, all right, that's a teaser for the next Oscar race checkpoint, Michael. Because again, I just can't get my head around beyond the, I mean, we've, we've seen plenty of 10 nomination that has to get 10 nom films, right? Not be the best picture front runner in the past. The favorite, for example, right? Getting nominated for the, all these nominations, the Irishman, Mank, like how many Netflix films were just, they're going to be a nomination juggernaut. They'll be lucky to win three. Doesn't have to be the best picture front runner. The fact of the matter right now is because we have this void because people haven't grabbed their, you know, they haven't circled back to everything everywhere or Top Gun yet. That's where we're at. Hurt Locker over Avatar. Yeah, but Hurt Locker made mo- made money, right? Forty nine million. Yeah. What was the budget? Five. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it, 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 again, it's a multiplier. It's like the Oscar multiplier of six, seven, eight. You know, the the best picture multiplier is strong the in artist, in, in, yeah. in history. Birdman, Spotlight made under 100, Moonlight was 65. Yeah, I just... Well, look, here's the uh, the moral <laughs> of this story. I said there's no way we can do an hour on this. <laughs> and we are over 70 minutes again. But most of it was vitriol and... <laughs> off- we were nice at the end. We are nice at the end to say that it was... Nobody's going to go see it and it's going to be a financial <laughs> flop. Yeah, that's right. That's us being nice. You understand, Steve? <laughs> uh, Mike, what's your final grade? I, look, I got to give this movie like a B85, B86, oh, if I'm God. being honest. You're I, so high on it. It's repugnant for me to, you know, say best picture of the year because I got a lot of, I got like 60 movies with higher grades. But this feel like to me, that's a typical grade of a best picture winner for me. It's 87, yeah. 88, 85, 86, whatever. God, I fear that this is going to win it all, <laughs> and it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It's just like let it, let's. It will at least it be a, a feel good mo- moment to see Spielberg winning director. I mean, that would at least you know that'd be something we could at least have a moment with. I don't know. Right? Give him I'm trying fine. to find a bright I, line here. I'm negotiating. I'm, we're negotiating now. You're negotiating. What <laughs> are the twelve steps? Acceptance, <laughs> resignation. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I'm. I can't. I'd be minus eighty one. Mm-hmm. I just. I, Judd Hirsch ruined this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Judd Hirsch and the t- the texter at the other end of the phone. <laughs> oh God. Uh, we're assholes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> again, we're assholes again. Another year. <laughs> we're just doing our job here. Look, we're we're honest. We see it like we see it. Obviously, what always matters most to us are how do you see it, dear listener. We need your feedback on this. Where are we right and where are we wrong? Uh, We need you to let us know that, as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. As always, you can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud, cloud app if you appreciate what we do here 
Uh, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, if you despise what we do here, maybe wait a day to leave us a five-star review. <laughs> maybe don't review us at all. <laughs> Mike, let the good people know what's coming next, and let's have some words of wisdom. Well, we have the Gotham Awards uh, this Monday night, Michael, and uh, the Gotham Awards uh, launched several winning campaigns in the past, uh, mm. including uh, Mr. Kotzer last year, I sure. would say. I would bang the table for that. So let's let's watch those closely, and let's see what, what starts starts up and then um let's keep going to the movies i know that's talking across the microphone here as well don't (laughs) let this movie sour you on going to see all movies please because you do this like the biggest federal law where no movie should be longer than 100 minutes (laughs) how long is knives out unless unless i give it the okay like once upon a time in hollywood that could have been four days that's fine (laughs) i disagree however Uh, you're wrong uh (laughs) I I don't mind a long movie if it's a good movie. I do uh, I do mind a long movie if it has issues. But, but, I would right. love to know like the an, or a list of long movies compared to your not your grade but your enjoyment level of them. Because like this one, I, my enjoyment level was not high. Like, it was not an eighty-one, but I have like, to give it an eighty-one because it's that well done. You are like you're like the you freak the the hell out during the movie. I get so and angry you that turn I'm on the, the you, yeah you're just like oh my god nobody's my naked time. there's not a body count I don't know what you're what <laughs> are you I'm bored I'm I, if I can have it on in the background I'm doing other things dare you yeah. just wait for a second and be patient for something that might actually play out hey how about this I was for the first hour <laughs> and then I had ninety minutes to, I had another movie's runtime to go. However, there are some really good movies overall, better movies than this, where if, if there's a boring scene, you are just, God, you're bored. I don't know if you're alluding to Parasite, but Parasite I wasn't bored by. Parasite, no, I thought, I'm not I'd, saying Parasite. Yeah. But by the way, you, uh, Parasite's still an issue between us. <laughs> it's betwixt, going to be an issue. Betwixt the mics. <laughs> this is why we can also never do an episode on No Country for Old Men, by the way. <laughs> but you, No Country for Old Men let me have you know, is a film that is unique in the best picture lore of the world. At least that's a unique take. That is not a homogenized story structure that we've seen, you know, throughout Oscar winning history. That is true. Which is, I kind of like that. I kind of dug that about it. Anyway, same, you know, same for Parasite. But why you hate those films shouldn't be the same reason you hate this film. It's not. Thank you. It's not. That's all I want. Is, I just want to this one. This that. one is is a far more. If I rewatch No Country for Old Men, I would like it. So I just want you to have the courage. This to movie go is to far the movies, more offensive than Parasite. Go to the movies and hate again, Michael. Just go back <laughs> and let yourself hate again. That's my words of wisdom to, for today. And we got the Gotham Awards next, so I did my job. Guys. <laughs> When reality sucks and you want to go hate again, <laughs> come review these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya. What was your favorite part? 